Before we get straight into the podcast, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, D Kirby GA Star. Declan Kirby GA Star Championship Journey. It's a series of GA team children's books written by primary school teacher and GA coach Michael Egan. You can check it out in the link in the description down below, of course, as well. Follow the trials and tribulations of Declan Kirby and his team at Smith Green Gaelic Football Club, recently formed a promising GA team. The book is now available in Easton's and all good bookshops, so check it out in the description down below and let's get straight into it welcome back to ga fan tv it's the game day preview ahead of this weekend's action in the Allianz national football league there's a whole host of games really taking place across all four divisions division one two three and four whole host of action really and i'm delighted to have shay brady here with me from the play on ga podcast to run through this weekend's action shay how are you very good and thanks for having me on again um really enjoyed last weekend's action it's fantastic to really have the league back and yeah, there's some crackers here, like very, very hard games to call. Yeah, there really is. There's a, there's a whole host of action, really. And I suppose only one way to start, really, with a clash of uh, of heavyweights and it's Kerry and Dublin and obviously a, a classic in its own right, really, going down the years. I mean, it's a game that really disappoints. Like even you think down the years, sometimes you might maybe have a bit of a disappointing clash between Dublin and Mayo or, or Dublin and Toronto. Like not all big games live up to expectation and probably bar on the 2015 All-Ireland Final. Like these two, when they play each other, it's usually always a, a classic and, and huge entertainment to watch. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, I loved in particular the the 2020 league match between Kerry and Dublin, the one where it ended with the, the two frees with Clifford hitting over that free ride at the end and then the big scuffle at the end. And there was a real kind of tee up for the next championship game which we all thought we were going to get but then obviously Kerry got knocked out in Munster but yeah you're right the, the league games always deliver I mean 2019 as well that was Peter Crowley fisted the ball over right at the end Kerry got the win that day and then obviously that led on to the the All-Ireland final later that season this year I think it's so different because I think Dublin looked so toothless against Armagh and I've never seen a league game really with Dublin and Kerry, where Dublin have their backs against the wall as much as they do this time. I mean, in other in other years where Dublin would have gone down to play Kerry in Tralee, for example, Dublin would have gone down as the all-conquering dubs and Kerry were looking to almost claim a scalp. Now, Kerry, you know, I, I see them personally as favourites. Dublin don't look like they're as strong. I know Kerry didn't beat Kildare, but I think home advantage, how pumped up they'll be, it's looking dangerous for Dublin, in my opinion, because their backs are already against the wall after such a poor start. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and speaking of of Dublin, first of all, I mean, it was uh, obviously I did my own reaction after the game, and I listened to your own reaction as well over on Play on GA, and we were speaking about it in the podcast, sort of on Monday there. Like, it, it is sort of bizarre. I watched the game twice now, and it's just. It is very strange, like how how quick a team can sort of downfall so quickly. I mean, it was only, Jesus, it was only at the start of twenty twenty one where very little people at all were really fancying against the Dubs. Like everyone was going seven in a row, seven in a row, and then all of a sudden, defeated by Mayo, defeated by Armagh, and now you're looking at it and you're thinking, do you know, almost everyone in Division One probably fancies a crack at the Dubs now. Yep, you're absolutely right. And the the thing that was most worrying was I said this to Luke kind of off air as well i said the the frightening thing was the the lack of players to come back i mean you got you got james mccarthy who's coming back okay yeah he'll improve the side a lot and um, you got con who 
you know, we don't really know. Is he coming back or is he going hurling? But obviously he'd be a big boost if he came back. We know Mannion's not coming back. We know Cluxon's not coming back. We know McCaffrey's not coming back. So that was the thing that was most frightening is that it was as close to a full strength Dublin side as is comfortable. Like that we're like here. I'm at, I'm not a hundred percent sure that we'd beat our ma if we were at our full strength now, seeing how comfortably they beat us when we were nearly at our full strength. And to think that our ma weren't at their full strength either. You know, Stephen Campbell didn't start, in my opinion, he does start for our ma. And Ushin O'Neill wasn't there either. So definitely worrying obviously Jamie Clark isn't there for RMR either so they're not at their full contingent and they still swept us aside it wasn't even like a victory I never thought Dublin were going to win that game from when the two goals went in I never thought we were going to win um with Kerry with Kerry I think it's I didn't really gather much from the Kildare game um they'd be disappointed with how it ended I mean they were a few points up with a few minutes to go and they let Kildare Jimmy Highland got the brace right at the end to kind of grab a draw for Kildare. They'd be disappointed with how that went. But I think we'll get more into how Jack O'Connor is going to play with Kerry this time in this game, I feel. Yeah, who, who do you think the pressure's on more, either Kerry or Dublin? Because I think a lot of people looking at Kerry as the, the All-Ireland favourites, the team that can go on and, and win the All-Ireland. I think people have been saying that for years, really, like in... You know, people were expecting Jack O'Connor's carry to really hit the ground running, given the fact that how strong they went in pre-season. And look, with all due respect to Kildare, they definitely surprised me. And I'd, I'd wrote them off completely, really going into Division 1. And I think they have a serious chance now, maybe, of staying up. But like a lot of people fancied Kerry for that game. And obviously Dublin, like I think everyone fancied Dublin really going up. You know, maybe Armagh fans seeing what was coming there. But, you know, both sides coming into this without a win. Whoever loses could be under serious pressure going into match day three. Both of tough games coming up as well. So who do you think the pressure's on more, Jack O'Connor or Desi Farrell? Desi, 100%. Because I feel like Dublin were at the top of the mountain. Dublin hit the top. And when you're at the top, the only way to go is down, unfortunately. And Dublin are kind of skidding. And I feel like Kerry, while they have taken longer than a lot of people would have thought, I still think they're they're moving up. They're getting better year on year in my opinion and O'Connor the appointment I think was the right one I think Peter Keane I think his time was up I think Kerry won't see pressure here I think they'll see an opportunity I think they'll see a chance to really bury Dublin here quite convincingly in my opinion I can see this being a a five-point win for Kerry like where they actually you know put Dublin to the sword a little bit because Dublin are a wounded animal right now that can be dangerous that can be dangerous. And obviously, I've seen your, you posted yourself that uh, Bernard Bo- Brogan tweet where he was saying, you know, be careful how much you write Dublin off because, you know, we can't forget how good Fenton is, how good Brian Howard is, how good Karen Kilkenny is. But I just think the way that they started so poorly against Armagh and they had so much time to prepare against a weaker team than Kerry, I just I think Dublin are under so much pressure right now, and I think Kerry will just see an opportunity to really get one over on an old rival. Yeah, I do agree to a certain extent, but I think at the same time, like there is still I think a lot of pressure on on Jack O'Connor and, and Kerry as well because they will go into this game as favourites and haven't seen how poor Dublin were against Armagh, haven't seen how poor they were against Mayo, and really they're far from grace. I think you know if Kerry were to lose against Dublin in their own home patch in Tralee. 
I think it would raise a lot of pressure potentially on on Jack O'Connor because look, there's still a long way to go, and we know there's obviously still five more league games to go after this, and we've seen teams bounce back from from poor league campaigns thrown last year, the perfect example. But like if Kerry were to lose this game beyond one point from two matches, potentially, you know, down near in the relegation places, you know, there'd be huge pressure on Jack O'Connor there as well, do you know, I think? Yeah, uh, I do think because he was brought in, I think, for immediate impact as well. I think the one thing that we that a lot of people in the country wouldn't understand is the level of expectation in Kerry. They're used to winning all Ireland's pretty much all the time. They haven't won one since 2014. Like that's that's a an age, ancient amount of time for Kerry to go without winning an All Ireland. You know, they win one every decade pretty much. And with this crop of talent that came through i mean the thing that always frightened me was dublin's dominance came off the back of one minor all-ireland title kerry won five in a row so this talent is coming and obviously we've seen it with o'Shea and the cliffords and all these guys coming through but they're they're getting a bit impatient now for the all-ireland i feel so i feel like that's you have a good point there and jack o'connor that he was brought in for an immediate impact and yeah, I think that if they get if they start facing relegation right at the beginning of his term, I think that he will be facing serious pressure. But the reason that I would go for Desi is because Desi was already under pressure with the year beginning because of how last year had gone, the unhappy camp, all the players not playing. You know, Jack O'Connor has pretty much everyone playing for Kerry that could be. I know James O'Donoghue retired, but that's a bit of a different issue. Um but Jack O'Connor didn't have pressure on him at the start of the year, whereas Desi did. And I feel like if he loses back-to-back games, I mean, Dublin's seriously looking at the drop then. And I feel like he'll be under a lot of pressure then. Yeah, and you have Mayo up next, and then we travel to Kildare and Tyrone back-to-back. And looking how Kildare played against uh, Kerry as well, like I, I wouldn't look at that game as a as a sure win either. So there's there's all sorts of, of pressure really on, on Dublin going into this. Like, and just... Being devil's advocate for a minute, like I was speaking to a fellow Dublin fan there, like on on Saturday night, not long after the game, and he was even saying, "Look, you know, is it really as bad as as what people are are making it out to be? Like pre Mayo, we'd lost I think one game in, in our last twenty under Desi Farrell, and that was away to Tyrone in a league game just right before the pandemic. So, like, is it as bad really as people are making out? Like, considering I know, like, you know, all, all the league games count, all the points add up. So, you know, you can't just say it's it's only January because all the games matter. But, like, are, are people getting carried away a little bit, or do you really do think that this there really is a, a serious fall from grace here from this Dublin team? I think that um, if you look at it on paper, yeah, people are a little bit overreacting. I mean, two defeats in not that long, but. I think if you're more to look at the performance that I'd li- I'd be a little bit more like because even when Dublin were winning they were winning in the Leinster Championship but they weren't impressive they beat me but me dominated the second half there was that type of element that I was saying that the exhilarating football that Jim Gavin's sides plays that kept us on the edge of our seats I mean the best example I can give is the third quarter against Mayo in 2019 when we blitzed them and the game was over in that third quarter I haven't really seen a Desi Farrell team do that. So when the style of football isn't as exhilarating as it was previously, and then it's not successful anymore either. People are willing to accept it if it still gets them all Ireland's, etc. But 
now that we've been beaten and now that we are beaten again, that, I mean, if we had a won our first league game and then lost to Armagh, I don't think the reaction would have been as severe as it is now but because it's back-to-back defeats. I know a lot of time in between, but it is still back-to-back defeats. It's the first time that Dublin have lost back-to-back games in Croke Park since 2010. So that's taken a lot of people by surprise. And yeah, so I feel like it's justified to be reacting like this because as well as this, the talent coming through, I don't think is what it once was. Yeah, we are recording this live as well. So if anyone wants to get their comments in and thoughts on the game or anything like that, feel free. Sharon Hegarty says there, I think with Kerry playing at home, it might help them a little bit. And that's exactly it. That's exactly the point, isn't it? With Kerry being in Tralee. What's your, your verdict then? You're going for... A Kerry victory, do you think they're they're gonna turn over Dublin and, and make it well make Dublin two losses from two? Yeah, sadly. I just I that was a game there on the weekend where Dublin everything was in their favour. They had home advantage, they had more of the crowd, you know, they had a weakened Armagh team without Ushin O'Neill, as I mentioned, and they lost comfortably. They didn't even lose narrowly, they lost comfortably. Mm. And Armagh are a team that a lot of people would have been looking at as potential relegation candidates before the league, not as All-Ireland contenders. Everyone's looking at Kerry as All-Ireland contenders. As as she said there, it's down in Kerry. The crowd will be pumped up. I mean, remember 2019, how pumped up the crowd in Kerry was? Now, obviously, due to the pandemic and everything, now crowds are back. They're going to be lively, ready for the dubs to come down. They can't wait to get stuck into them. I feel like it'll just be a bit of a carnival atmosphere and I think it's set up for Kerry to to claim the two points. Yeah, I agree as well. Last time Dublin won in Kerry as well was, was 2013, which is obviously, you know, com- completely different um, scenario back then as well. And I think Kerry had a weak enough midfield against Kildare, but Joe O'Connor was named captain there during the week. So you'd expect him to start. And to be honest with you, I think Dublin won the midfield battle against Armagh and Armagh just bypassed the midfield really. So I don't even think... Dublin winning the midfield battle would be um would make that much of a of a point really. I think Kerry could just bypass the midfield and and kick direct into into Clifford or Killian Spillane, and I think that that probably will be enough. Moving on to Armand Tyrone, I mean this is another real sort of uh, humdinger in many ways, like clash of clash of not heavyweights maybe in terms of well Tyrone are all Ireland champions, but in terms of the history really between these two, like still hugely significant rivalries for these two counties going back as, as far as the early 2000s. And maybe this rivalry might be back again where it once was because Throne are obviously All-Ireland champions. Armagh are definitely on the up as well. So very looking forward to this game. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it yourself about the 2000s games. Like, my God, they were unbelievable clashes. And I would have loved to have kind of seen them live in the flesh. I mean, it would have been unbelievable to witness. But, I mean, Armagh have improved so much in a short space of time under McGinney. I think with Tyrone as well, there will be that element that Monaghan had of, you know, you aren't, aren't the All-Ireland champions when you are playing against us. So I can see it being very similar to the Monaghan game. A lot of kind of handbags, a lot of off-the-ball stuff. Very, very tough game. But Armagh are coming into this with such momentum. Like the, the confidence that they're going to have. Reno O'Neill now... I think whoever Tyrone put on him, I think that could be a massive, massive indicator for who's going to win. I think it would probably be Paddy Hamsey, but I don't know. I think it would be very, very interesting how they curtail him. 
uh, whether Cahill McShane will start, who's going to pick him up on the other side. Because Aiden Forker, I know he plays fullback there for Armagh, but I mean, he was always more of a wing back and a wing forward. So it'll be interesting to see if if he's put handling someone like McShane. Is it too early to look at Armagh's All-Ireland contenders for 2022 or is there still a bit to go yet, do you think? I think it's a I think it's a bit early. Um I could famous last words, but I think it's I think it could be a little bit too early. I think one victory I mean one thing that I remember is do you remember 2019 where Monaghan beat Dublin in up in Monaghan, Stephen O'Hanlon got the goal and all of a sudden everyone was saying, Oh Monaghan have won a few Ulster titles in the last few years and now they they beaten the five and they beaten the four in a row All Ireland champions Dublin. Maybe Monaghan, you know, can be all Ireland contenders and they ended up not doing much in the league or the championship so i feel like this victory is definitely a crowning moment for armagh but if they beat around and if they beat them in you know if they really grind it out and they show their class and they beat the all-ireland champions then i would start to really kind of take notice of them because obviously every team can have their day where everything goes right for them and obviously the one thing that we didn't say when we were talking about the dublin game is how clinical Armagh were. I mean, I think they only hit, like, was it one or two wides in the entire game, whereas Dublin hit, like, 13 wides. So, I mean, if they manage to beat Tyrone again, then I think we have to start looking at them as possible dark horses, but I don't think their their talent is up there with Tyrone or Kerry just yet. Yeah, I definitely would give them a huge chance to win this game, though. Like, Tyrone probably still have... A few players potentially to come back in there. Like there was no Ronan McNamee in in that game against Monaghan. You still have Kieran McGeary to come in there potentially as well into the into the. Well, actually, he was he was back out. He was sent off, wasn't he, in the last game? So, um, yeah, like there's definitely some players still potentially to come back in there for Tyrone. And we've seen Armagh turn Tyrone over in in preseason. And I'd imagine as well, like you were saying there about there being a a bit of a carnival atmosphere in uh, in Tralee. I think there'll be something similar in the athletic grounds. I think. The Armagh fans are going to be buzzing really after their their win over Dublin, and you know even last year in the league when Armagh played Tyrone, it was a very close game. And I remember Mark Bradley, I think, came off the bench and scored a late goal, and he's obviously opted out for Tyrone. So there could be a chance here for a, a big scalp for Armagh. And two wins from two against Tyrone and Dublin, they might be looking at you know battling for uh, for a league final then. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned it yourself. I don't think they've had a better chance to beat Tyrone. I mean, over the last few years. Um, yeah, just reading that from Sharon. Yeah, I mean, the Ulster Championship is so wide open and obviously with Cavan winning it in 2020, you can never really ride off, uh, you know, a team managing to upset the odds in Ulster. I do think that they're underdogs. I do think with the, the level of talent that Tyrone have, even with Mark Bradley being gone, I think the level of talent that Tyrone have is unbelievable. But when you look at, you know, Fermanagh got to the Ulster final a few years ago, like the, the talent seems to be pretty even. All the games are so tight. You've got Antrim coming on as well. All the games are going to be so, so close. And Armagh are just continuously, continuously improving. If they beat Tyrone, I mean, that would be a huge step forward for them. Do you think maybe this is the game where maybe Tyrone click into gear as well? Like, obviously in pre-season, they... they obviously they were away on a holiday there in, in Miami just before pre-season and then in the first game against Monaghan I, I felt like Monaghan had them at, at different points in the game and I felt like Monaghan were a little bit the better team but even saying that I don't think either side were particularly great in in the game at all so 
could maybe this be the game where Tyrone turn up, like given the fact that there is a big rivalry here and also as well, they will have seen Armagh and seen what they've done against Dublin. Like this might be a chance maybe for Tyrone to maybe, I suppose, give Armagh a bit of a reality check really and just remind them, look, listen, we're the All-Ireland champions. We're still here. Yeah, could definitely be. Could definitely be because, I mean, the one thing that you never want is your rival to get going again. And I mean, another Armagh Tyrone clash, always going to bring the best out of both sides. So I feel like it will be very close. I feel like it will be very close. If I had to put my neck on the line, I think I'd go. I think you're right. I think the Tyrone will wake up. They won't want Armagh to beat them. I think I'd go Tyrone by a couple of points. Just about. I th- just. I think you you were right there about that they didn't play their best against Monaghan. But one thing that I was impressed with was how they dug in against Monaghan. Because in the last few minutes there, Monaghan are one point behind. They have a big win behind their back. You'd be looking at that saying, you know, Tyrone probably would have taken a draw at that stage. And to think that, you know, that Paul Donahue point at the end, I mean, probably they should have got the point out of that. I mean, it was the right decision because Kilpatrick flattened Rory Began. But they should have won that. That that ball should have gone over the bar, no problem anyway. So they were inches away from winning that game. They showed the heart. They showed the grit, the determination. And now they've got that their feet back under the table. I think they'll win this one by... A point or two. Yeah, and so Klopp says they have a feeling Tyrone will get another draw. And it is a good point. Like, uh, i seen a stat there on Twitter the other day. There's been more draws in the last 10 games in Division 1 than there has been wins or, or loses. So, I mean, you know, if you're a punter or anything like that, like, you you know, you, you maybe want to put your money on a lot of games drawn because it does seem to be what's, uh, what's happening at the minute. I'm actually going to go for Armagh. I just have a sneaky feeling with the form that they're in, that they're coming into this game, how well they played um, against Dublin and given the fact that they're playing at the Athletic Grounds at home as well. And I think if these two were to meet each other, maybe in the Ulster Championship, potentially in an Ulster Final, which could be the case with the fact that both sides are on either side of the draw. Look, obviously that's a long way away, but I think Tyrone would probably be be up to the challenge of, of winning by the time that game comes around. But just have a sneaky feeling that Armagh, with um, with Rian O'Neill and potentially Ushin O'Neill, Connor Turbot maybe to come back in, I reckon they'll uh, they'll have enough to, to turn Tyrone over there. But... Monaghan and Mayo, that's uh, up next. And, I mean, this is a hard one to call as well because first half Mayo didn't really click into gear at all against um, against Donegal. But, again, came fighting back from the dead in, in traditional Mayo fashion. And Monaghan, on the other hand side of things, again, sometimes when you think they're beaten against Tyrone, they fight back from the dead. So, both sides probably coming into this in uh, a familiar sort of story, really, from the last league game. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mayo showed the, the spirit that we no, all know that they have um, fighting back against Donegal, although I do think Donegal should have put the game to bed. But for Monaghan, I mean, they're two different enough games. I mean, the, 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 the Monaghan game against Toronto, I feel like was tough inch for inch the entire game. I mean, like point for point, they never really let a lead, whereas Mayo completely switched off for the first half. I mean, I know that the conditions were awful. But the the four point gap between themselves and Donegal, I think that flattered Mayo. I think Donegal were far the better team in the first half. Mayo showed a lot of grit in the second half to pull that game back. I mean, some brilliant scores, Paddy Durkin, the Rhino Donahue free was brilliant, and then obviously Rob Henley at the end, fantastic free to level it. But I think it's very very hard to tell where these teams are at. I mean, we didn't really see much of the skill 
of either side of much of how the kick passing is, how the shooting is. We just saw grit from both from both teams, grit and determination, and then obviously a bit of individual class at the end to get the draws. But I feel like I don't really know how they've hit the ground running because Monaghan and Tyrone, you're always going to expect a real gritty, determined game from both sides. And that's exactly what we got. Mayo, you know, we're kind of used to them fighting back from deficits, pulling it back and getting a result when you thought they were dead and buried. So both sides are kind of doing exactly what we know them to do. So I find it hard to know who's in a better place right now. Yeah, it is a hard one to call. And it's funny, when I was doing the Mayo season preview there not too long ago, I mean, we were talking about with, with Dara Berry, who's a, a journalist over there in, in, in Mayo, or actually in Galway, but he is a, a Mayo man. But like we were chatting about the fact that there wasn't really, you know, this is the first year in a long time where Mayo are coming in here with not too many injuries, not too many retirements. And lo and behold, Tommy Conroy picks up a, an ACL there during the week playing Sigerson Cup football and looks very likely to miss the entirety of the of the year, which is obviously, you know, a horrible thing, really. Like you wish him the, the best of recoveries there and, and hopefully he gets back playing football soon because an injury like that, not everyone recovers from it, unfortunately. And we've seen with Killian O'Connor and, and his injury problems and he's expected to come back in the league at some point. But who knows? Like Colin McShane was missing for Toronto for the best part of two years. You just don't know how players are going to respond to it. So that's a huge loss, really, from Mayo to have another star-studded player like Tommy Conroy missing. Um, and given the fact as well that Killian O'Connor, we don't know the situation with him, another huge blow for Mayo. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's such a hammer blow because you're looking at it more, I mean, through the lens of a Mayo fan, you're looking at it thinking, God, you know, we got to the All-Ireland final, Tommy Conroy played so well against Dublin in the semi-final, he really stepped up, it was a real coming-of-age game for him, in my opinion, that one was. And then you're thinking, you know, you made it to the All-Ireland final and you did all that without Killian O'Connor, so imagine when we, when we get him back as well, and then you get O'Connor back and you lose Tommy Conroy. So, I mean, it's a real hammer blow. Obviously, I wish... Tommy, nothing but the best. I mean, I hope he comes back because he's a really exciting footballer to watch. I mean, he's really kind of adventurous and he's an exciting player to watch because he goes for the goal, obviously, and he, his pace and his direct running. I mean, it's a joy to watch. But I feel like the one thing that will play such a huge part in this game is conditions. I think if if it's a real wet, windy, gritty, hard day, I think that suits Monaghan. I think if the pitch kind of holds up and it's more kick passing, more fluid, uh, more attacking football, I think it suits Mayo. But I think if it's a real gritty, you know, hard game in in the rain or in the wind or something like that, I feel like it's Monaghan's to lose because Monaghan have been through so many wars like this against Tyrone, obviously, last week. I feel like that's the that's the kind of the unknown that, you know, he could get out and the pitch could be waterlogged and then that suits Monaghan. Yeah, it is a fair point. Like, I think if this game is played in, in summery conditions or Crow Park or, you know, McHale Park on a sunny day or or even in, in, in Clonas on a sunny day, I'd fancy Mayo definitely to turn them over and, and win it quite comfortably. I still do fancy them. I still do think they'll have enough here to to beat Monaghan. Like, Monaghan are just such a... They're such a hard team to call them anyways because I think they're a lot better when they're chasing the game as opposed to um, game management. Like, the, the best football they probably played last year was when they fell behind against Armagh, haven't had a huge lead and then Armagh obviously turned it around I actually thought their best football was after that and even against Galway as well when they were behind so Monaghan are a weird team at times and even Mayo as well, like both sides nearly play better when they're when they're fighting from the dead so 
who are you going for then in, in that aspect? I fancy Mayo to, to have enough here. I think even without Tommy Conroy and, and Killian O'Connor, like Jason Doherty's back in there. And um, you obviously have Ryan O'Donoghue still in top class form and, um, you know, a whole host of, of talented players all across the board, even with Aiden O'Shea potentially coming back into the starting lineup. So who are you uh, going for here? I think I think I'll go Mayo just um I think it will be a very, very tight game and I wouldn't be surprised if Monaghan win, but I just think Mayo just about have the the edge and them. Obviously you mentioned there the forwards that they have. I think Monaghan won't start McManus again. I think they're trying to kind of lighten the burden on him. But the reality is is that every time he comes in, I mean he's the main man again. So hmm. I feel like Mayo just about have more in the tank scoring wise than Monaghan do. But I mean, as I mentioned, the conditions are the unknown. If the conditions are shocking, I mean, that could really favor Monaghan. But I'm just going to go with Mayo on this one. Yeah, could do. Like, and you mentioned Connor McManus. Yeah, he didn't start versus Tyrone, and none of Monaghan's full forward line got on the on the score sheet on the day. So I'm sure to be targeting, clicking their, their forwards like Jack McCarron and Aaron Mulligan to, to get them into gear. Donegal and Kildare. I mean, we were speaking obviously about Donegal there briefly and, and that huge, well, not huge lead that they had against Mayo, but it felt like a huge lead because they, they have that penalty to go six points up and Mayo were down to 14 men as well. And Donegal obviously playing in Markovic Park, which isn't Mayo's traditional home ground. So it was almost like a neutral venue in many ways, like Sligo's, actually in between both Donegal and um and Mayo so it was almost like a neutral game but yeah like you were you were looking at Donegal and you were thinking how on earth have they not won that game I mean they were they were home and hosed in in many ways and and once again like another another game for Donegal that sort of just gets away from them once again yeah absolutely right I mean Donegal they, they they disappoint you sometimes with the amount of talent that they have. I mean, in the first half, Michael Langan's performance was absolutely fantastic. Ryan McHugh kicked some great points. McBrady, Michael Murphy, the talent that they have is unbelievable. But and to see Tyrone go on and win the All Ireland last year, I mean, Donegal beat Tyrone in two thousand and twenty. They came close to beating them in two thousand and twenty one. They must be sitting there thinking, why can't we win the All Ireland? And they absolutely have the talent to win the All Ireland, in my opinion. Um. But they just have this this streak where they I don't know if it's they just get overconfident or something. But against Cavan, that was particularly against Cavan, that was the game where I just thought they're just waiting for Cavan to to fold. They're waiting for Cavan to panic and to make mistakes. And Cavan didn't do that that day. And then against Mayo as well, I don't know. Did they think that they had the game won? Did they start you know getting too confident? Because obviously, what led to the Robbie Henley free going over the bar was that they were playing it around the back and Sean Patton got caught with the ball. So I don't know what it is. And on a day like that, when the conditions are so bad, keep ball hand passing it around is so hard to do because the ground is so heavy and mistakes are very easy to make. And I think it was a, it was a bad call to do that and they got punished for it. You mentioned that it wasn't that big a lead, but on a day like that, you know, a four point lead on a day like that is a lot harder than a four point lead on a sunny day. And I mean, I just feel like the amount of criticism that Donegal have had, I think that we could see a bite back this week. I mean, Kildare, they have them at home. Kildare obviously put a lot of effort into the Kerry game to show people that they're not here to make up the numbers. Um, but now they go away to Donegal, that's a completely different challenge. And 
I just feel like this is Donegal's game to lose. Um, but that being said, if they get their overconfidence streak, they could definitely get punished in this game. Yeah, do you know what I think it is as well? Like, there's no variation really in Donegal's play. They actually remind me a lot of Dublin in many ways, the way they play. Like, it's it's hand pass and it's lateral hand passes. There isn't really much direct kicking into that full forward line and it's relying on Michael Murphy to come up the field and, and gather possession and, and look for options in front of them. And I just think a lot of teams are figuring that style of play out. And like what you said there, like, it was absolute madness, really, like Sean Patton coming as far out as there, like, in those kind of conditions and you know, just playing with fire in many ways. And we're seeing more and more teams actually getting caught trying to do that. We've seen Dublin, obviously, against Mayo last year get caught when they were playing around the back and eventually gave away a free that led to, funny enough, another uh, Robbie Henley late uh, free. So kind of, you know, funny how both of them two things were very similar to each other. But yeah, like there's just not enough variation, I don't think, in Donegal's play. And they certainly do have the, the players there, but... I don't know, like I'd be worried for, for Declan Bonner in many ways. I, I just don't know if he's going to get Donegal where he feels he can get them to in terms of not just winning an Ulster, but potentially beyond. So, um, you know, big pressure on them going into this game. But like what you said, I, I do think they should have enough to, to turn over Kildare. Like this is a, it's a difficult one for Kildare going away to Donegal. Um, potentially tough conditions as well. We'll see what the, the weather is like there. And Kildare, I think, were buoyed up mainly by, obviously, the fans in Newbridge, I think, really, really got behind them. But I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Is there any chance for Kildare to potentially cause an upset, do you think? I think, yeah, obviously, there's a chance, but I think it's very unlikely. I think, if I'm being 100% honest, I I do think that the, the opening day and the home crowd and everything, and this is where it all kicks off, I think Kildare had a lot of momentum and a lot of kind of, I would see it as kind of similar to you when Antrim beat Clare in the Hurling League last season, where they had this one day that they were just waiting for to kind of show the country how good they were. I, I fear that there might be an element of that with Kildare, that they were waiting for this day one for so long that they might not have been as focused on day two. And it's a trip away to Donegal, where they have no home comforts. They're going to be up, and the conditions, I imagine, won't be the best. And I just I can't see them beating Donegal. They they definitely have the talent to give Donegal a right good game. I mean, Daniel Flynn, Kevin Feely, I think, will start this game. He looked imperious when he came on against Kerry. Uh, Kevin Flynn as well as another footballer that I really, really like. Paul Cribben was back last weekend, looked fantastic. I do think that they definitely have the players to give Donegal a serious game. But I just think Glenn Ryan hasn't been in the job a long, long enough to kind of implement exactly what he wants. Whereas while it is predictable enough what Donegal are going to do, they know what they're going to do. And I think I, I can, I can't see them not winning this game. If they don't, I think there's huge pressure on Bonner. Yeah, there really is. Because I think if Donegal were to slip up in, in this one, I think relegation is a, is a serious, serious threat. I think it's already a potential threat anyways, but I think if they were to lose this, you'd, you, you'd be seriously worried for them um, after that. And yeah, it probably is worth mentioning as well. Like Kerry didn't score for the final 16 to 17 minutes of that game and were missing their, their best midfield. So maybe on another day, if Kerry did have their best midfield available and just shown a bit more maybe in attack in the final sort of five to 10 minutes, they might have just maybe squeezed over the line. But you definitely can't um, take anything away from, from a Kildare point of view. So I would go for a, a Donegal victory there as well. Moving on to Division 2, starting with Mead and Roscommon. Um, 
big game for for Mead, like very underwhelming performance against Galway, 45 minutes without scoring, a lot of pressure already on Andy McEntee before going into that game. And, and that potential, well, that pressure is really sort of elevated again now. So, uh, and this is a tough one, like Roscommon, they're going to be promotion contenders. So uh, big game for Mead. Yeah, and you mentioned it yourself that about the pressure that was on McEntee. I mean, he hung on to his job by his fingernails there before the season began. I mean, it was a razor close decision that they decided to keep him. A lot of people in the county want him gone. Um, and that was not the start to make if you want to convince people that you are the man for the job. I mean, 45 minutes without scoring a point is unbelievable. Like, I've never seen anything like that. Um, and not only that, but you concede one nine on top of that. Galway just looks so superior. And a team that have consistently managed to put Galway to the pin of their collars is Roscommon. And not only that, Roscommon know what it takes to get out of Division 2. They've done it so many times. They're almost like in that space where they're almost, at times, they're too good for Division 2, but they're not good enough for Division 1, which is why they keep bouncing between the two. But they know what it takes to get out of Division 2. With Meath on the flip side, I'm there logically thinking, surely there's got to be a bounce. Surely there has to be, like, the, the humiliation of not scoring for 45 minutes is deaf. Surely there has to be a bit of a kick where the pride will come in. We're going to show people how good we are. We've got Roscommon at home. Let's get the crowd down. Let's get the fans interested. Let's go for it. I think surely they'll have to. But with Roscommon, they're so wise. I mean, the way that they just shut down Cork last week and just showed their experience against Cork, I could see them doing the same thing to Mid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a fair point. Like, and interesting enough with Roscommon, like they are missing a lot of their their best players who are obviously away with Podrick Pierce's at the minute. And you were even looking at that team that played against uh, Cork, and it was nowhere near their best, really. Like you'd obviously Donny Smith playing in a full forward, you'd Alton Harney in round midfield. Like you'd a lot of players who were almost a part of Roscommon of you know six seven years ago, and potentially and then came back into the team. Like they sort of went with more experienced players rather than maybe giving the the under 20s a chance and it definitely did work obviously because they overturned Cork quite um quite comfortably in the end so but yeah I agree with you at the same time as well I think for me like you would expect a, a bounce here like Andy McEntee didn't do any interviews at all after the game uh, against Galway so he was obviously thick as a bull I'd imagine so you know I, I think I think surely like me would have to show some sort of response here I think if they don't show much of a response here you'd be really worried about them going in uh you know, for Division 2. Given the fact Tier 2 is there as well, you know, we'll see what happens. Mead and Dublin could play each other in a Leinster semi and look, I know Dublin aren't, you know, at their best either at the minute, but there is the potential for Mead to be playing in that Halchian Cup, which I think given where Mead looked when they played against Dublin last year, I think if they were to fall into that conversation, it would be a bit of a disaster. Yeah, and I think that would be... That would be the bullet for Andy McEntee from the Mead job if they were to fall into the Talton Cup. I mean, the, just the history that Mead have and the pride that they have in their football, there's no way they're going to accept that. And as well as that, you're not just thinking about the past here, you're thinking about the future as well for Mead. I mean, the underage talent that they have coming through, already some guys have come into the team, Shane Walsh, Jordan Morris, Cahill Hickey, they look very, very promising. And... You've got these, you know, minor All-Ireland winners who are on the cusp of the senior team, I'd imagine, over the next five years. And you're thinking, you know, is Andy McEntee the man to, to bring these guys into the team? Because the one thing I have noticed 
obviously it's circumstantial. Obviously everything is circumstantial. But I mean, me and you obviously watching the Dublin games over the years, Mead seemed to have a different team every single time that they play against Dublin. I mean, 2019, it was they were very reliant on Ben Brennan and Mickey Newman. 2020, it was all about, you know, Jordan Morris, Shane Walsh. 2021, Matthew Costello got into the team. They seem to, players seem to come and go a lot from the Mead team. They don't seem to be able to keep a crop together. And I don't know if that's McEntee, I don't know if that's traveling commitments, etc. But they have a few lads now that have gone over to Australia. Connor Nash is over there. Keen McBride is over there. They're big losses. But you wonder if they got a manager back there who was able to kind of bring the young lads through, create a real buzz about the county team. Could it be like a dairy situation where you have your Connor Glass comes back, Anton Toho comes back, and you know gives that a turbo charge again? Because, I mean, with those young lads coming through, they cannot waste this talent. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, and you know, we were saying there, players like Cahill Hickey as well. Like, and, and and Matthew Costello came into the fold last year. So, you know, and there is plenty of obviously they they won the minor All Ireland last year. So there will be some of those lads moving up into the under twenties in the next couple of years. So it probably is so important for me to stay around, sort of high Division Two, Division One, maybe, uh, and not fall into Division Three. Who are you going for here then to to get the win, or or what are you thinking? Do you know what? I want to think that there's going to be a bounce back from Meath, but I think I think the level of an unhappy camp that Meath could have is something that we don't know. I mean, McEntee not doing the match, any sort of interview after the match is not a good look. Um, and then obviously the fact that he, he clung on to his job by the skin of his teeth, and obviously losing Mickey Newman as well before the season began, I feel like they'll, they'll go for this. Jordan Morris will start, rightfully so. But I just think Ross Common are two, they're too wise, they're too experienced, they know what it takes, and I can see them kind of picking up a a quiet enough victory here, like a, not making too much fuss about it. I can see it being a three, four point victory for Ross Common. Yeah, I'm gonna go a draw actually. I think there will be a bounce from Mead, and I think they will play well, but at the same time, you could see Ross Common probably just holding the fourth maybe a little bit towards the the end of the game. You've got Cork and Clare then up next. Um for Cork, I mean not maybe an unhappy camp or, or, or maybe anything like that, but there, there is obviously a little bit of discontent in there at the minute with a lot of players opting out. You had Luke Connolly who opted out there during the week and Rory Dean's not going to be in there as well. Mark Collins, like a lot of core players not available for, for the upcoming year. And it does seem like they're going to be quite reliant on, on that under 20 crop from a few years ago, which I think could be a good thing. It could be a blessing in, in disguise in some ways, maybe in the next couple of years, but Again, for Keith Ricken, they'll really be targeting this game surely for a, a bounce back from the feet of Roscommon and, and get the two points here. Without doubt. I mean, it wasn't the start that they would have wanted. That's kind of the, the logic that I went with with the Roscommon Meath game. That, I mean, Roscommon were just so good at just shutting down, you know, such such you know hype and excitement low-key because the amount of talent the cork have coming through the likes of blake murphy damian gore i mean this speaks for themselves but yeah right it's not a good look when your best players are gone mark collins rory dean like they have been the best players for cork over the last few years but yeah right that it could be a blessing in disguise that they get these young lads into the team i just remember last season claire obviously were on the brink of promotion to division one and they had that game against cork to kind of decide like they were already going to be in the promotion playoff pretty much 
And they had that game against Cork and it would basically decide if they lost, they'd play Mayo, who no one really saw them beating. And if they won, they would play, Was it, I think it was Kildare or Mead that they would play. I think it was Mead, yeah. I, yeah, and I think a lot of people would have given them a chance to turn over Mead that day, which obviously Kildare went on to do. So I think that was their big chance. And still, with so much on the line that day, they lost to Cork. So I think it's hard to tell. Clare probably have got better. I mean, the young lads that are coming to the side, the likes of Daryl Bahannon, Gavin Cooney, I'm very impressed with them. And obviously Jamie Malone coming back into the fold and looking very, very good off the bench there the other day. I think that's a massive, uh, a good sign for Claire. And they look very impressive in the, after 25 minutes against Offaly, they looked very, very impressive for the rest of the game. They had a slow start, but apart from that, they were fantastic. And against Cork, I just wonder, can Cork turn it around? That's what I mean, because they didn't look that good against, uh, against Roscommon. Yeah, do you think Clare are being disrespected a little bit at times as well? Like, I mean, they are a team that's been consistently in Division 2 and, and consistently been wrote off for relegation, and they seem to keep proving people wrong time and time again with big performances, big results, even in May against Mayo as well. Like, I didn't see them. I thought Mayo would win that one comfortably enough, and they pushed Mayo very, very close. And we've seen what Mayo went on to do in, in, in getting all the way to an All-Ireland final. Obviously, things didn't go well against Kerry, but we've seen the form that Kerry were in throughout Munster. They were giving everyone a hammering, really. So, I mean, could Clare cause an upset here? Could they cause a shock? And do you think maybe that some people potentially maybe are kind of writing them off, maybe unjustly at times? Yeah, I mean, me myself, I've made the mistake of writing them off a few times. I mean, I, like, naturally, because... I just think that the, the same guys are doing it for them. I know that I mentioned about the young lads coming in, the Bahannons and, you know, the Gavin Cooney's, et cetera. But you look at the, like, you know, Jamie Malone, Keelan Sexton, David Tuberty's still there. I mean, you, you're thinking mm. on some level, how are these guys still going? They're getting so much out of a golden crop of players. And when they lost, when they were doing pretty much what they're doing now, you know, being a solid team in Division 2, and then they lose Gary Brennan, and then they lose, you know, someone like Aaron Fitzgerald to the Hurlers. You're thinking, all right, could that be the one or two players that go, that you, that make all the difference? Because replacing someone like Gary Brennan for a county like Clare is going to be so, so hard to do. I mean, he's a once-in-a-generation type player. And the way that they've just managed to keep going, just produce another team and get back on the horses, really, really impressed me. And I think it's time I give them the respect as well. I think they're going to beat Cork. I think they'll do it narrowly. But I think with last year in the back of their minds and the hurt from losing that game, I think they'll get the job done here. Yeah, I agree as well. I'm going to go with, with Clare to get to win this one as well. I think uh, on Cleary as well, like one of the the best footballers really for Clare and potentially in the country really at times we've seen some of the points he's kicked from from the sideline and, and some top class scores he's, he scored at different times in the game as well maybe if Cork have some of the Finbars lads back in there like Ian McGuire or Brian Hayes maybe Stephen Sherlock maybe they might be able to, to have enough here but again it's going to take time for them to be integrated into the team and, and train with um, you know a lot of the other players as well, so it'd be interesting to see what what happens there. But yeah, I'd go with a Clare victory there as well. You've Offaly and Derry then. Um, I mean Derry, obviously a lot of hype around them at the minute. Overturned down comfortably enough in in Park Esler. Offaly, you know, we're five points to one up against uh, Clare at one stage in the game. So 
it you know, the wheels really did fall off roughly after a, a very good start. So who do you reckon will come out on top here? Um, I th- I'd go for Derry here. Um, I think their momentum is stronger than the Offaly momentum. But, I mean, I look at last year's league final in Division 3. I mean, that was a very, very one-sided affair. And, I mean, since then, obviously, Gallagher will just have had more time to kind of get his ideas in. And, I mean, the way that Derry kind of put away down, I mean, down didn't get a score from play in the second half. I mean, that speaks volumes of how strong the Derry defence is. I mean, a fullback line of Chrissy McKaig, Brendan Rogers, is just so impressive. McKinless, his injury, I mean, the centre-half back for Derry, I mean, that could be a big loss if he's gone. But I think the form of Conor Glass, the form of Emma Bradley, the form of Kieran McFall especially, he was fantastic uh, against Down the other day. I think they will have too much roughly. I think, yeah, I'm going to go with Derry to win this one. Yeah, I'd agree as well. Like I think, I think for Offaly, like this probably is just the a game maybe coming too soon for them. I mean, obviously, let's not forget these two played each other in, in Crow Park in the Division Three final, and and Derry obviously wiped the floor with them that day. But Offaly missing Keane Farrell, who's who's out injured for the for the entirety of the season, and probably maybe a little bit early for a lot of those under twenty players to come through. So think for Offaly, I do think they'll they'll come good eventually. Maybe at being a consistent Division Two team, maybe in a similar fashion to Clare, but probably is just um a little bit early. Yeah. You've down and uh Galway there as well. Um down I, I watched the game against Derry and I thought like I, I thought in the first half they done all right. Like they look threatening at times, but really like not in a month of Sundays where we're we're down ever gonna win that game. Like Derry looks so comfortable, even without being at their best at all. So Galway looking superb against Mead. Obviously as you we were saying there, one nine in the first half to no score. You know, the momentum is behind them as well. So I think a lot of people would fancy Galway surely to, to win this one, even with the fact that it is a Newry. Yeah, I mean, Galway, are, in my opinion, this is a very, very competitive division, but I think Galway stand above as being, you know, the most talented team in Division 2 right now. Um, we we went for Galway to top the division and then between Derry and Roscommon to get promoted with Galway. But... Uh, this would be a tr- this would be a tricky game. I mean, it, it looks like a potential banana skin. I mean, James McCartan's back in there as down manager. He definitely would give them a bit of a bounce. I mean, last time he was in charge, they lost by a point to Cork in the All Ireland final of 2010, and this was a brilliant Cork team. So, and then remember how they got to the final. I mean, they they wiped the floor with Kerry in the quarter final that year. They beat Kildare in an epic in the semi final. So McCartan can get the bounce out of them. They. They did okay, as you said, against Derry. I mean, they never looked like they were going to win, but they showed that they'd improved. Um, Like, I mean, last season, Donegal just put them away with minimal fuss in the Ulster Championship. So, I mean, McCartan will come back in. He'll give them a bit of a bounce. I think the Kilkoo lads being missing, I think, is a big blow. But I think it was mentioned on the Sunday game, the, the big issue with Down is the amount of players that they've had in their county panel over the last few years is absolutely mind blowing. I think it was, it was something, something like was it eighty players or something? I, I wouldn't want 80, to say eighty five, exactly. eighty yeah. or eighty five or something like that. Yeah, crazy That's over the last three years or four years or something. Yeah, because I, I was saying, how can you establish a level of stability or you know your message if there's new players in the door every week? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is mad, all right? And maybe you might even see down or overachieving a little bit by being in Division Two, given the the amount of players that are leaving and um yeah like it's 
it's kind of mad. Like I was chatting to someone else there during the week as well, and they were saying, you know, maybe they should just field kill Q for for Division Two. You know, once once Kill Q finish up in the you know in the in the All Ireland club uh, final there, like maybe maybe they should just go in and, and just replace the entire down team. Now obviously that's that's not how it works, and that wouldn't be fair at all on on the down players that are there. But you can understand the the logic behind it in many ways. Um, yeah, like in Newry, look, it's a tough place to go at times. I'm sure they'll make it tough for Galway. It'll be interesting to see how James McCartan, what kind of style he has with down and, and whether they're sort of, you know, it looked like they were sort of reverting back to a similar sort of Paddy Talley style um, in the Derry game. But again, you can understand why they had that approach given Derry's attack and threat. So, you know, you would have to fancy Galway though, surely, like with Shane Walsh, who probably is one of the best forwards in in the country on his day. And, you know, even some of those under-20 players that are coming through as well, like Matthew Tierney and Tom O'Callaghan obviously scored the winner there the other week in, in the Sigerson Cup. So, you know, you have a real host, whole host of young players coming through. So, um, I mean, Galway in Division 2, this could be a perfect time for them to, to bring through these young players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, Cullahan got the goal against Meath. I know it was a soft goal. Matthew Taney looks fantastic. Jack Lynn as well in the corner. Um, I like seeing Kieran Malloy get a start. I mean, he's always a player that I've thought is really, really good. Uh, Killian McDade at wing back, he looks a real find. I mean, I know that he has been floated about for a few years, but they, they haven't really known where to put him. I think wing back looks like a really nice position for him to go there. Paul Conroy looked fantastic, looked back to his best. I mean, he's definitely a key influence for this side. And then we, we still don't even know where Damian Comer is. So Galway look really, really good in the amount of talent that they have, uh, the strength and depth, obviously the young lads coming through that you mentioned. I think this is a game where they get the job done with minimal fuss. I think this will be a comfortable enough victory for Galway. Yeah, 100%. And AJ Walsh, O'Donnell was asking us what we thought of the... Tommy Conroy injury. Yeah, we, we spoke about that a little bit earlier, but it obviously is a huge blow for, for Mayo and it's gonna be uh it's gonna be tough for them this year, missing a lot of their, you know, obviously missed Killian O'Connor last year. But funny thing is about Mayo, like even when they get injuries, even when, when they get some of their top players injured and retirements and all the rest, you just really can't write them off. So I certainly wouldn't be writing them off even with um even with that Tommy Conroy injury. I suppose we're both going for a Galway victory here, anyways, before we move on to division three. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Hundred percent. Antrim Limerick then will will fly through Division Three and, and and four here. But Antrim and Limerick, I mean Antrim, what a win that was for them away against Fermanagh. I mean a huge uh, victory to go to Brewster Park and, and and win by nine points. And Limerick are one of them teams that have been consist consistently really on an upward trajectory over the past couple of years since they came up from Division Four. So I mean this could be a bit of a potential promotion game here on the line. Yeah, and out of all the games in these two divisions, I think this one is the toughest to call because they both had comprehensive enough victories in the first uh, in the first round. I think Antrim's was a little bit more impressive. I mean, to beat Fermanagh, but to beat them out the gate, like very, very comfortable victory. I really like um, Andy McGinley. I really like the way that he is, uh, the way that he's working. I mean, the lads from the, the Saffron Voice, they're there talking about, you know, just how different... Antrim look like they, they look so relaxed on the ball now, so confident. McGinley's come in as an All Ireland winner, three time All Ireland winner, multiple All Star as well. He's just come in, stuck his chest out, and he's made the players feel real confident. And Antrim, in my opinion, have always been a sleeping giant. I mean, the, the population that they have, if they can get them engaged, um, they can be one of the best teams. And 
yeah, he's definitely managing to kind of squeeze it all the talent that they have out of this side. They look so good against Fermanagh, shut them down with relative ease. Um, Limerick, on the other hand, four goals. I mean, to put that pass long for them the first week, very impressive. I mean, the footballers that they have, I mean, everyone knows about Ian Corbett. Then as well, they have Hugh Burke in the forwards, who is a player that I really like. I think Danny Neville. I think whether or not he plays, I think that will have a big impact on the game. He's a really, really exciting forward. Um, but I just because it's at home, I think I'd go with Antrim to win this one. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there as well. Like I think, funny enough, actually, last time these two played was in Division Four, and it was just before the pandemic. And I think Antrim won it by eighteen or nineteen points. It was a bizarre scoreline, really, just right before the pandemic. So. You know, you know, you don't associate with Limerick losing by a scoreline like that. So it's kind of mad how how the tables have turned in in many ways. And and I would definitely expect this to be a a very competitive game. And and maybe if Limerick are going to win this, it will be through goals. Like that seems to be kind of the the way of playing for them. They rely quite a lot on goals, but an extremely hard one to call. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'll go for a draw. Maybe I'll go for the for the safe bet there. But Wicklow for Mana. I mean, this is. We were talking about Antrim and Limerick being a promotion game. This could potentially be a, a real fight for who stays in the division. Whoever loses this might be in in big trouble. Wicklow, I thought they were impressive against Westmead. Like they 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 really dug deep and I was keeping an eye on the scoreline there and nearly pulled off the shock. But for Man on the other hand side of things, like a you know, a nine point defeat at home to Antrim really wouldn't be, you know, it, it's kind of alarm bells ringing there a little bit because normally for Man is so good at home. So what, what do you think going into this one? I think I could see a Wicklow victory here. I, I really do. I mean, I agree with you fully that they were impressive against Westmeath. And obviously, staying in Division 3 last year, they beat Cavan to do that. So they have it in them to beat a side who, you know, would be assumed to be above their station. And obviously, like a good friend of mine, Kieran Coffey, he was saying that there's a, there's a real group of lads there in the Wicklow side that are really dedicated to the, the panel and they really want to do Wicklow football proud and they've got a relatively young team you know they got a relative young team a lot of young stars they're going Darcy who I mean in my opinion he will blossom eventually for Wicklow we, we've yet to see him do that but he will eventually come good for them Dean Healy as well is another player that I think is absolutely fantastic I mean has been for Wicklow for many years I mean they're starting to get the recognition that there's there if Porrigo O'Toole is another one who I think is a brilliant footballer I think just getting them down in Ockram, I mean, Fermanagh, they, they just looked shaky. They didn't look like they ever were really going to trouble Antrim. And to lose so comfortably, going down to Wicklow now, who they won't let that loss against Westmead get to them, I think this could be a Wicklow victory. Yeah, I'm going to go with Fermanagh, though. I think Fermanagh, with potentially Conal Jones maybe coming back in there, I'm just expecting a bounce. Like, there is good, good footballers there. Beating Cavan last year, they always make it tough. Like, Surely for, for Kieran Donnelly, obviously, who's come in there as manager, like you'd expect a bounce and you'd expect them to be up for, the, up for this game. But yeah, if they were to lose this, like relegation to Division 4 is definitely a, a realistic possibility. You've Leash and Westmead, two teams very familiar with each other. They, they tend to play each other quite often, more often than not really in both football and hurling down the years and um, obviously played each other in the Leinster Championship last year. Westmead won that by 16 points, having trailed, I think, after the first quarter. But Look, you know, I think Leash deserve a bit of credit. Like, I wrote them off really entirely going into Division 3, and they look like a bit of a mess, really, at the start of the year, not knowing who they are going to appoint as manager. And, you know, obviously Billy Sheehan coming in there, a lot of players opting out. But, 
looked very good in pre-season, big win over Loud, and, and this is another promotion game really on the cards here. Yeah, and the other thing you didn't mention there was the, that Wexford put six goals past them in the first game of the O'Byrne Cup. Mm. I mean, that jumped off, and we're thinking, what is going on here? But, I mean, they bounced back really well from that, and uh, Sheehan seems to have... He's already kind of implemented what his spine is. I mean, he likes the the spine in the defence of O'Loughlin at six and Trevor Collins as the fullback. And then, you know, that that is a good platform for them to go forward. He seems to be getting the best out of the likes of Evan O'Carroll. And as well as that, obviously, up in the forwards as well. I mean, you have on Larry, Mark Barry as well as popping up with points every game for Leash. I mean, the game last season will be a very interesting one to just kind of see, you know, how much have Leash improved since that game because they, what was it, 320 to 110, Westmead won by. So, I mean, Westmead, again, hasn't looked very good last week. I mean, the footballers that they have, they're a very solid team, in my opinion. I mean, they've been they've been doing the business for quite a few years. I mean, I know they got relegated from Division 2 last year, but they had the quality, and not, not too long ago, they were in Division 1. So, I mean, personally, I think it's very, very hard to call, but I'm almost edging towards Leash just on the momentum side. Yeah, like it, it could be all right. Like, and I definitely wouldn't have thought that really at the start of the the league campaign. Like Wicklow nearly turned Westmead over, and I think a lot of people had Wicklow down, maybe potentially who were going to finish bottom down in eighth. But yeah, I, I would still fancy Westmead though to, to have enough here and uh, and get the victory with with the likes of John Heslin, Ron O'Toole, Luke Lachlan as well. I don't think it would be as big as that sixteen point victory, but. Obviously, that game when these two played each other, it wasn't that long ago, really, like just five, six months ago. So probably still a little bit of work for, for Leash to do, but I would just fancy Westmead maybe to, to narrowly come through that. Longford and Loud then as well. Um, hard one to call in, in many ways. Both got disappointing defeats on the opening day. Could maybe the, the Longford train be running out a little bit, maybe, given the fact that they've been consistently around sort of Division 3 for quite a while and relying on a lot of players like Mickey Quinn and Rian Brady and obviously a tough enough defeat to take against um, Limerick that day. So, I mean, what's the, what's the verdict here, do you reckon? I think, I think this game will show whether. Oh, I think we've lost Shay there briefly. I think we've lost Shay there briefly for a minute, but um We'll, we'll wait for him to come back in there. Um, hopefully, he should be coming back in there in a minute. But yeah, Longford versus Loud. I mean, this is a this is an interesting one in in many ways. Like, I mean, Loud as well coming into this game, obviously on the back of that defeat um, away at uh, away at Leash as well. So, or home to Leash, I should say. And I, I fancy Loud to to get promoted quite early on. So, it will be interesting to see what what happens in this one. But for myself personally, anyway, I'll, I'll probably. Do you know what? I think this might be a draw, uh, to be perfectly honest. I think there, there might be a draw between the two, between both uh, Bo Longford and Loud, but we'll see what happens there. We'll carry on for now, really, until we get uh, we get Shea back in there. Well, Sligo and Carlo, I mean, this is another uh, interesting one as well. Like Sligo got a, a huge victory there over, um, over, who was it again? Who was it over? My mind's gone blank there. It was over Wexford. That's who it was. It was a big win, obviously, away at Wexford. They played very well, very good performance in there. And, and there probably is maybe an narrative maybe that um, we've Shea coming back in there, I think. Yeah. There we go. Right there. We, we've got you back in there anyways. Um, 
yeah, we, we I, I've moved on to Division Four anyway. I just fired on there anyway. So Sligo and Carlo, what do you what do you think here? I mean, I was just saying there, like Sligo with a big win, obviously away against Wexford and Division Four, very hard to call, obviously. So what, what do you think here? Um, obviously, obviously, Carlo had the the kind of shock loss to London at home, so. You're talking about the bounce factor there. I feel like surely there's going to be a bit of a bounce coming for Carlo. I mean, Neil Carew is a, is a man who kind of expects a lot from his Carlo side. I mean, you remember that they lost in the championship and he was saying that he was going to have them back in training there in two weeks for the next season. So he is a man who's going to kind of demand a lot from his players. Sligo, on the other hand, impressive victory against Wexford away in Wexford Park. They won by two points. Obviously, Pat Spillane as well, declaring for Sligo. I mean, there's a lot of good things happening in the county. And then they had, you know, that very successful under-20 side not too long ago. So, a lot of talent there, a lot of good signs for Sligo. Personally, I'd be kind of leaning towards them for this game because of the kind of lack of momentum in Carlo, not being able to beat London at home, who hadn't played an inter-county game in two years. I mean, surely they won't be able to beat Carlo then. Surely, sorry, surely they won't be able to beat Sligo then either. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you to, to that point as well. Like, I think um, to have a 10-point lead and, and let that slip and look, like, we'll, we'll crack on with London, obviously, and, and their huge victory, obviously, over Carlo, well-spoken about, obviously, in the weekend. And um, I know someone commented on, on one of the recent YouTube videos there saying, London, they have the potential to take points off the likes of your Leitrims, your Waterfords, you know, potentially your Sligos at home. So, it's an interesting one with London. Like they're a hard team to, to call, really, because no one's seen them play obviously in in two years. They haven't had a game of any sort. They've almost a completely new panel. You've obviously Liam Gavahan, who was uh, in the team of the week, and Killian Butler uh, meant meant to be another player who stood out there as well. And going up against Waterford, who probably surprised a lot of people as well with a draw against Tipperary. A lot of people fancy in Tipperary for promotion. So, I mean, two teams that no one really expected to be in the promotion chase could very well find themselves up there come uh, the end of the 70 minutes yeah and I mean it definitely shook up the division I mean because Tipperary and Cavan they were the obvious two that you're saying well they're going to have no problems going straight back up um, but the way that Waterford held them I mean they showed so much grit and obviously Effie Fitzgerald coming in there the amount of success that he had in charge of the Cork ladies I mean speaks for itself a good very very good start for him in charge of the Waterford footballers and against London I mean the the momentum that they're going to have off the back of you know beating Carlo I mean would be unbelievable but yeah you're right this is a very hard one to call because both sides are coming into this with very very high momentum I feel like I'd lean towards Waterford maybe just because that they drew with a side like Tipperary who have the talent of Deshaun O'Connor Connor Sweeney etc so yeah, I feel like I'd lean towards Waterford here with just. Yeah, yeah, very hard one to call. And I know Dara Corcoran hit five points there for Waterford against Tipperary. And I've done an interview with him there a year ago. So it's great to see him breaking into the team now and really sort of staking his uh, his claim with his Waterford team. But yeah, I'd probably agree with you as well. Like I think with Effie Fitzgerald in there as well, top manager. I mean, obviously won uh, an All-Ireland with, with the Cork ladies and he's been heavily involved with in Cork club football down the years as well. So, you know, you could see Waterford maybe causing a, a few scalps this year and I do fancy them to just about nick a win over London, but I certainly won't be writing London off and if London were to make it two wins from two, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that surprising either. If Cavan going up against Wexford then, Wexford, I mean, very disappointing the fee for them. 
at home to to Sligo. A lot of people looking at Wexford maybe as a as a team battling for promotion. Obviously, Cavan coming in on the back of of that win versus Leitrim. So, um, I mean, for, for Wexford, if they lose this, maybe their promotion chances might be over. Yeah, and uh, I think they will lose. I can't see Cavan losing this game. I mean, they went away to Park Sean McDermott, uh, Andy Moran's first game. Leitrim were going to be up for that, and they managed to get the win. They they didn't look overly impressive, but they managed to get the win. They took a while to put them away, but they got the job done in the end. I think with Wexford coming to play them now, I think that's a completely different challenge. And yeah, I can't see Cavan losing this one. I mean, McKeon and the, the likes of footballers that they have, Galligan and Gall, like I can't see them losing this game. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you there as well. I think, I think Cavan surely should should have enough to, to come through. Like, I mean, the only kind of question would be every now and again with Cavan last year, you've seen them have a bit of a howler and you'd wonder maybe could there be one in store this weekend, but you would surely have to, to fancy them to, 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 to turn over Wexford. Like they had, I think, a lot of their top players playing against Leitrim and Gerald McKern and Raymond Gallagher Thomas Gallagher there, I think, came off the bench as well. And Paddy Lynch looks like a... A great find. So, um, and I have seen there's a lot of discontent in Wexford at the minute over the the club championship there, with the fact that the club football championship has been scheduled for for winter next year. So I know there's a bit of um, there's a bit of discontent among Wexford footballers at the minute. But you've obviously got T- Tipperary and Leitrim. Then last but not least, I mean Tipperary. Do you know what? Like I, I didn't really fancy Tipperary for promotion at the start of the year because there's been a lot of inconsistency with Tipperary really over the past couple of years. Like um, players opting out, players leaving the panel, and like Connor Sweeney, from what I heard, was unbelievable against Waterford. He hit seven points, but he was only one of three scorers on the day. So you know, you'd be looking at Tipperary, and they're probably looking for a bit more than than Connor Sweeney at this at this stage. And um, obviously, Leitrim coming in with Andy Moore might be a good time to play Leitrim. But what do you think? Well, no, because at the start of the year, if you had asked me, do I think that Leitrim? would beat Waterford, I probably would have said yes. So the fact that Waterford were able to hold tip to a draw, I mean, I mean now that, you know, they don't have, Leitrim don't have the home advantage that Waterford did. But, I mean, Leitrim are coming in with a lot, like, of, you know, freshness and op- optimism as well because of, you know, the Andy Moran effect. And tip, on the other hand, you mentioned so reliant on Connor Sweeney. That you know, if Leach put someone on him and managed to shut him down, I feel like it could get pretty nasty for Tip. I mean, if they're not able to, you know, lighten the burden on him, Sean O'Connor is probably gonna have to step up for them. But yeah, I do for the record, I do think Tipperary are going to win this game. But I feel like it, it could be a lot trickier than a lot of people are making out like it will be. Yeah, I mean, and only four points between Leitrim and and Cavan the last day and Maybe Leitra might be able to, to pull off a shock and a break from the norm game and says they're tip one all Ireland minor and semi all Ireland in uh, in twenty sixteen. What happened to them? And that's the point, really, isn't it? a lot of the players just have either opted out or you've obviously Colin O'Reardon who's away playing um, AFL. So Mickey Quinlevin's obviously uh, opted out there as well. So a lot of, of that sort of bulk of Tipperary talent just isn't there, and that's probably one of the the main reasons why they've. Uh, They've fallen down the the pecking order in in the league. Yeah, but I, I don't know about this one. Like, I, I have a sneaky feeling Leitra might be able to to pull off a, a surprise win here, but it's, it is a very very hard one to uh, to call. I suppose before we wrap up, who would be your player to watch this weekend, or do you think any players maybe could uh, could I suppose steal the the limelight this this weekend? 
Yeah, well, like one player I'm going to be keeping on an eye on myself is obviously Reno O'Neill. The, the the performance he had against Dublin and Croke Park. I mean, but then again, that is Croke Park. That's a wide open field. You know, he has a lot of space to run around against Tyrone. He won't have that space that he had against Dublin. So it'll be very interesting to see if his form continues. Um, Owen Cleary as well from Clare is another footballer that I'd love to keep an eye on this weekend. I mean, his role in the court game, I think, would be very important. Then, obviously, I mean, Oran Eastwood for Antrim. I mean, he's been a, a critical scorer for them. I think that game in Division 3 between Antrim and Limerick is going to be vitally important, as we mentioned earlier, for, for who goes up. And then, obviously, in the Division 4, the player I'd be keeping an eye on probably be McKiernan for, for Cavan. I mean, he's an elite-level footballer, and I feel like he'll have a massive impact on getting them through Wexford, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. There, there are good mentions there. Like what one player I'll be interested to see is is Joe O'Connor. Obviously, coming back into the into the Kerry panel was involved a couple of a couple of years ago, and 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 Kerry's midfield against Kildare I thought looked weak enough. And you're obviously putting Sean O'Shea in there, who isn't a a natural midfielder. So it'll be interesting to see um how he gets on going up against the likes of your your Brian Fentons and whatnot. That that, that could definitely be a, an interesting watch. But um. Yeah, I suppose before we, we we wrap up, obviously your own podcast, Play on GA. Where can um, people find that if they're looking for it? Yeah, so it's uh, it's just um, Play on GAA. It's on uh, YouTube, it's on Instagram, and uh, we're about to jump onto Spotify as well. So um, yeah, we're hoping to do big things in the new year. Um, keep up with uh, kind of the two of us, myself and Luke. We're both in college, so both college students got a lot of the, got a lot of assignments to do, but we. We, we do our best to kind of cover as many parts of the GAA as we can. Um, and yeah, so just play on GAA on Instagram, on uh, YouTube, and soon to be on Spotify as well. Perfect. Yeah, well, I'll link it down below as always, Shay. And um, yeah, appreciate you coming on and a few comments coming in there saying they, they enjoyed the show. So um, yeah, much, much appreciate for anyone who tuned in. And if you could leave a like or subscribe, that would be... Uh, much appreciated as well. And obviously check out um, Shay's podcast as well, Play on GA. That'll be down in the description down below. So um, yeah, cheers anyone who tuned in. And um, yeah, we'll see you all in the next one. Thanks very much, Alan.